Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We are into the end of the basketball season, winter sports season coming to a close. On today's program, we're going to talk with Mark Miller, our boys basketball expert at WSN, about a number of topics in boys basketball, some games that he saw last week, reaction to those, uh, conference races that are really interesting coming down the stretch, Mr. Basketball race that maybe has tightened a little bit recently, Um, and talk a little bit about seeding that uh, will come up for the playoffs this weekend as well. Uh, If you're looking for a girls basketball playoff preview, we will have that with Norbert Durst next week, likely on Monday. Uh, We will have a special girls basketball playoff preview on the WSN podcast that will be devoted to girls basketball, going through excuse me each of the five divisions with Norbert talking about the favorites, teams to watch, storylines, all that good stuff as we head down the home stretch of the winter sports season. Hey, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Once again, we are uh, we are knee-deep in the playoff season in high school sports for winter sports here in Wisconsin. Of course, our big focus is on basketball, but we also uh, must note that uh, a number of other winter sports are into playoffs and into the state tournaments already, even. As coming up this week will be the Boys Swimming and Diving State Championships uh, on the calendar. Those are the first winter sports state championships. Last weekend, we had, uh, uh, or within the last week anyway, we had the, the Boys Wrestling Team Sectionals wrestling individual regionals. We've got uh, the individual sectionals coming up this week, which means state wrestling not very far away. Um, Gymnastic sectionals are coming up in in regionals as well. So it's a a busy time of the year on the winter sports calendar here the last couple weeks in February and then into the first couple weeks of March as well. Of course, you can find all of your, especially basketball information, uh, for boys and girls on wisports.net, but we do have some information on the uh, the remainder of the sports uh, winter sports for you know what to expect in uh, a preview of the state diving tournament from the WIAA. Uh, all that stuff will be up on wisports as well. But again, our focus will be on boys and girls basketball coming down the stretch. Right now, we're going to get to our uh, conversation with Mark Miller again, where we'll talk about some of these topics coming up in the next couple weeks for Boys Hoops. And uh, just a great conversation with Mark. Always good to catch up with him. All right, as we move into the last couple weeks of the Boys Basketball regular season, we want to bring on our Boys Basketball expert and WBCA Hall of Famer Mark Miller to chat a little bit about the goings-on recently and what we can expect over the next couple weeks. Mark, thanks for taking some time to join us on the WSN podcast as we get to wrapping up the regular season in boys hoops. Absolutely. Well, before we go too far forward, I want to take a chance to to look back at last week because there was a couple of really big games, including one that you were at last week that I want to touch on because they certainly have an impact in, you know, what we're thinking as far as top teams in the state, what things uh, will happen in seeding. And so let's start last Friday night, a game that you were at between division four top ranked at that time. Anyway, Howard's Grove, and third-ranked St. Mary Catholic to the top teams in Division Four, obviously, and in the Big East Conference. 
Uh, take us through what you saw in that one and what your reactions were seeing those two teams in person and, you know, kind of a, a, a synopsis of that game. Well, Howard's Grove had the, the game pretty much in control uh, throughout most of the second half. Uh, and then uh, St. Mary's scored, I think, on their last seven possessions, had a big three in that in that mix. And Howard's had a, had a turnover and a couple of missed free throws. And uh, that was enough uh, to open the door for St. Mary's to, to get the one point win. It was a very exciting game. Uh, pretty well played game. Both teams uh, shot fairly well and competed at a very high level. The gym was was full, as you would expect. They split the two games uh, against each other this year. They're in different sectionals, so they won't play again unless, of course, they would play down at uh, the Cole Center. So uh, St. Mary's is led by Cole Uhlenbrock, uh, who's going to St. Norbert next year. He had 25 and 12 in that game, 6'5", senior who can really stretch the floor and also score in the paint. And, and Howard's Grove has a pretty balanced attack. Uh, they had three guys in double figures. Their top scorer, Tanner Schumacher, who later, I think in a game earlier this week, became the school's all-time leading scorer, really struggled from the field in that game. Uh, and that was a big reason why uh, St. Mary's was able to get the win. Uh, he was held to 15 points and was only uh, – two and 19 from the floor. Uh, he did make 11 out of 14 free throws and had six assists. So it wasn't like he wasn't uh, a contributor, but uh, he just couldn't find the range uh, either from three point range or the mid range. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I look for both teams to have some postseason uh, success. Uh, they both will have some teams obviously within their sectional that'll give them a challenge, but you know, I, I, I could see why both are among the top handful of teams in division four after watching the game. The Big East Conference this year, very, very good. Those two teams are in the Big East North. You've also got Reedsville in there, who's uh, has a very good record in the South. Kohler and Oostberg are playing very well. Sheboygan Lutheran still in that group. When it comes to Division Four-ish type conferences, you know, a lot of the times in the last few years, we've kind of looked at the Swall, the Clover Belt, traditionally a very good small school conference. Is the Big East up there? Are they maybe in the conversation? for the best small school, let's say D4, D5 type conference in the state this year? Uh, I think they are, yeah. I mean, when you look at the, the seven teams in the north and the seven in the south, there are very few that are uncompetitive, at least. Um, and when you look at teams like Elkhart Lake and Manitowoc Lutheran, for example, those two teams uh, in the north are very capable of playing very good basketball and, and, and getting some big wins. Uh, Elkhart Lake beat Oostburg earlier in the year, uh, and they both sit right now at 11-11. You know, another another league that's really, really good, obviously, in the D4-5 level is, is the Merowitz South Conference. Um, I think that one might be top to bottom the best. Uh, there are no weak teams in that in that six-team group, uh, grouping. Um, and the big game, of course, in that conference uh, uh, will be for the conference title between Newman Catholic and Marathon coming up here in the next few days. Uh, so... Um, you know, when you talk about the Swall, obviously the Clover Belt, West, uh, the Big East, whether it's the North or South in every, any given year, those are some of the better D4 or 5 conferences uh, in the state. You know, I think uh, I think the Six Rivers West is pretty solid this year. The East is down a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I, I don't know if anyone really, Travis, can match the depth of the Merowitz South. I think that. Uh, is is a league that uh, it only has six teams. And of course, then they play uh, one game against the North Division teams, uh, you know, to come out with a 16 game conference schedule. But 
when you have Auburndale and Marathon and Newman and Edgar and Stratford and Assumption, all six of those teams uh, are, are, are good teams. So, uh, like I said, the depth in that league is probably the best. One of the things that we'll talk about more as we get closer to the playoffs for some of these leagues is that drop-down effect that we talk about every year where you know a, a team that might be a Division Five team in one of these conferences that doesn't have the prettiest record you know, they, they've played some pretty tough competition and they can do some damage in the playoffs. Looking specifically at the Big East, help me, uh, remind me if you could, what teams are Division 5 in the Big East and in any of those D5 teams that might be able to make a run because they've played such a strong slate during the regular season? Right. Uh, well, in the South, I think uh, off the top of my head, I think Sheboygan Christian is the only D5 and they're they're a little down this year, so I wouldn't look for them to make too big of a run. Over in the north, uh, we have a few more D5 teams with Elkhart Lake, Hilbert, and Michicot. And of those, I, I would say Elkhart Lake is probably the most likely to, to, to get on a roll, perhaps, and, and maybe even make it to a sectional. Um, 11 and 11 overall, 7 and 10 in the league. But remember, they, they played Howard's Grove, St. Mary Catholic, and Reedsville twice each. So that's six games right there. Um, and then, of course, they they get one game crossover against the South Division. So they're playing Kohler, Oosberg, Sheboygan, Lutheran, Ozaki, Random Lake, Cedar Grove, those type of teams. So um, I think among the Big East teams, the ones in D5 that perhaps could make a, a move, I would pick Elkhart Lake. Well, let's move on to the other big game from the weekend. One of the biggest games in the entire state uh, as De Pere, the top-ranked undefeated team in Division One, welcomed in Pewaukee on Saturday. Pewaukee, the top-ranked team in Division Two, two-time defending state champions. Again, one of the most anticipated games of the year. Anytime you have number one versus number one. What were your reactions from that win by DePierre, 70 to 63? Game was tied at 32 at halftime. Thoughts and reactions to that one? Yeah, well, I've seen both teams uh, quite a bit this year. Um, and I, I thought they were two of the top five, if not the top two teams overall in the state. Um, you certainly could make a case for those being the two best teams and, and not be far off. Um, you know, I think the home court advantage obviously was a, was a big asset for De Pere. Um, and, and the fact that they, they played very, very well, they shot nearly 50% from the floor. They made 10 threes. Uh, they, they won the rebounding battle. They had 16 assists. You know, Johnny Kinzinger was, was maybe the most important player on the floor, even though he wasn't the top scorer. But then you look at Pewaukee and, and you see Nick Janowski having a huge game, you know, with 32, uh, Milan, um, uh, had 12 and 10, uh, only took four shots, or excuse me, 10 shots, though. Um, I thought they did a nice job to appear defending him. Um, and that's what you need to do. Um, you know, it's hard to take away both Milan and Nick, but if you could maybe take away one of them uh, so they don't have a huge night, that, then you got a chance uh, perhaps to beat them. And uh, I, I thought Hornseth, uh, Will Hornseth from De Pere was, was really good in that game. And, uh, and then they got some really big contributions from, from guys, you know, we always talk about Hornseth and Kinzinger, but Johnny's younger brother, Zach had a real big game with 10 points. And then I thought Hogan, uh, Damoski had a really nice game, both on, on both ends of the floor. Uh, he had three big threes, uh, in 13 points. So, um, you know, that, that DePier team is really deep. Um, they're really well coached. They play together exceptionally well. Um, they don't care who scores. They just want to win. Uh, and, and they have really good size. Um, so, uh, that, uh, you know, obviously they're unbeaten. Uh, Pewaukee's got a couple losses, you know, some of that happened when, 
when uh, Nick was not playing earlier in the year with an injury. But uh, what a great game and the environment there. You know, I didn't I didn't get to that game, but I saw the stream of it and, you know, the environment at the pier that night was really what makes uh, high school basketball great. It was like a sectional final game. It was absolutely jam-packed and and great for those kids to participate in a game like that. Uh, it only makes both teams better as we head down the stretch here. We're talking with Mark Miller, our boys basketball expert at uh, Wisports.net. Talking about the Pewaukee versus DePere game on Saturday. Mark, how many Division I players were in that one? We know Milan is committed to Iowa State. Nick Janowski has offers from Wisconsin, Marquette, a number of other places. John Kinziger's a D1 kid. But how many total and, and what thoughts on maybe some of the younger kids in that game? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say that out of DePere's team, obviously Johnny's going to uh, Illinois State. Um I think that the other D1 kids on the Tapir team, obviously Will Hornsett's going to be a Division One player. He's got several offers from the mid-major level. Uh, he went to the Northwestern game uh, the other night. Um, I'm trying to remember who they play. Uh, Purdue, I think it was Purdue. Um, so that was a pretty good game for for Will to see. Uh, they have not offered yet, but uh, you know they're very very interested in him, and I I, I can see him playing at that at that level. Uh, so that's two for DePere. And then among younger guys, I think Johnny's younger brother, Zach, is going to be trending in that direction. You know, he's only a sophomore, so he's got a few years to to grow and fill out. But he's a little taller than Johnny. Um, you know, maybe doesn't have uh, the same game as Johnny in terms of, of uh, you know, being the distributor and and uh, and uh, and the rebounder that Johnny is. You know, at only six foot, it, it just, I mean, I've talked about this for the last three years, but it's just crazy to me how that kid can rebound the basketball. He had 14 rebounds against Pewaukee. <laughs> it's just crazy. So those would be the three guys from DePere. And then, you know, obviously the two guys from Pewaukee are Nick Janowski and, and Milan Monchilievich who committed to uh, Iowa State. So um, will there be any others from Pewaukee? Uh, Milan's younger brother, Luca, he's only a sophomore. Uh, you know, maybe he's got a chance with some development. Um, the younger Osterman boy, uh, though on the small side is a, is a, an assassin. I mean, that kid just goes out and scores and makes huge plays game after game. Um, but I would say today, as we talk, I would say there were five division one kids in that game, which, uh, which is a lot. We don't normally have that in one game in our state. Well, let's uh, talk about some of those younger kids in general in the state of Wisconsin, um, pretty talented groups in the class of 24, including Luke Janowski and Will Hornseth, but also Con Knipple. Uh, just a, a talented group there. The class of 25 already getting considerable attention. Kai Rogers, um, uh, Hannah uh, at, uh, at Nicolet. You know what are what are the chances? What are the thoughts? And let's stick specifically to in-state of one of the in-state colleges getting some of these talented 24 and 25 players. Well, that's a that's a really uh, unknown. Uh, I don't have an answer for that question right now. Um, you know, as far as the twenty four class, uh, the top two guys in the state, Con Canepla, Wisconsin Lutheran, and Nick Janowski at Pewaukee, uh, both have multiple uh, high major offers, and and both have been offered by Marquette and Wisconsin. Um, will either of them end up at one of those two schools? Um, Possibly, but uh, possibly not. <laughs> so I'm not answering your question because I don't know. Um, you know, Khan, I think Virginia is in there very, very strong. Um, and then I think the two state schools are in there really strong. Um, Notre Dame was in there. 
Um, you know, they got a coaching change, so we'll see where that goes. Um, and with Nick, um, you know, he's got kind of a, a different list than Khan has. You know, Iowa State's in there, obviously, with Milan going there, and uh, Nick kind of fits what they do. Um, I think with Nick, uh, we'll know a little bit more uh, in April when he's on the circuit and see who's really on him, who's tracking him, who's who's uh, really making a strong push. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the guys in 24 that are going to go Division One, none of them at this point have offers from Marquette or Wisconsin. But, um, you know, I, I do think uh, we're going to have a, a good list, a long list of Division One players uh, in that class when it's all said and done. Um, you know, guys like Will Hornseth and Amari McCautry um, from St. Thomas More and Jack Doherty from, from Brook Central and Saku Kanoa of St. Thomas More, Timmy Franks of Homestead, uh, I think Nolan Melisali of Marquette and Bennett Basich from Arrowhead, obviously Stevie Clark at Oshkosh North, he's got multiple D1 offers. Um, and then you look at guys like Mike McNabb at Grafton and Evan Anderson at Onalaska, Dupree Fletcher at Carmen. Jaquan Johnson at Pius, MJ Stackhouse at Indian Trail. I mean, it's a pretty long list. Um, most of those guys are mid-major uh, type players at this point. Um, you know, maybe they're not quite as big or, or their skill set maybe isn't quite as developed or, um, you know, a lot of different reasons why they're not, you know, up with Khan and Nick. But um, they're all really, really good players. Um, it, it, so it's a, it's a really good class uh, for Wisconsin. As far as the sophomore class goes, you know, you mentioned the two guys at the top. And again, um, I think those two guys kind of stand out as as the two best prospects, Davian Hanna and Nicolay at 6'6", very versatile, can play inside, outside. And then Kai Rogers, the big 6'11", uh, uh, forward, who also can play inside and outside over at Tosa West. Those two guys uh, already have high major offers, and, and rightly so. They're both very good. Kai's got Wisconsin, among many others, and, and Davion's got both Marquette and Wisconsin. And then uh, the rest of that class, you know, um, it's going to be a huge spring. Um, some of these guys have really stepped up during the high school season. Uh, there's a few sleepers in this class. I really like Jamarian Bateman and uh, Devin Brown at Milwaukee Academy of Science. I think Juan Guerrero-Hernandez at Grafton is going to be a kid that a lot of people will watch, along with Aaron Womack. At, at Dominican. Um, and then, of course, Zavion Mitchell at North in Oshkosh and TJ Stutley at Onalaska, a couple others. So that class is is shaping up pretty strong as well. Chris Davis Jr. over at Sun Prairie West has had a great year. He's grown a little bit. He, he's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to watch closely as well, along with Will Garlock over at Middleton. Uh, you know, he, he seems to get better and bigger every time I see him. Um, so uh, I think that's going to be a, a strong class for Wisconsin as well. So, um, you know, right now, I think, uh, when you look at the juniors and sophomores in our state, there's two guys in each class that might be just a little above the rest, but then underneath that, there's a whole slew of guys that Green Bay and Milwaukee and St. Thomas and the South Dakotas and, you know, uh, Loyola's and those type of schools are going to look at really, really strong and, uh, you know, I expect scholarships uh, for a lot of those kids, you know, uh, as we move forward here in the spring and summer. Well, let's move on from talking about the underclassmen to talking about some of the seniors in the state of Wisconsin, talking about the race for Mr. Basketball, which is presented annually by the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association, sponsored by our good friends at Just a Game Fieldhouse in Wisconsin Dells. Uh, you put out an article a couple weeks ago looking at the uh, the favorites, the dark horses, other contenders, 
Uh, at that time, you had three favorites that that you thought had emerged, including John Kinziger from De Pere and Milan Momchilovic from Pewaukee, as well as Jeremy Lorenz from Brilliant. Anything that's happened that you've seen in the last couple of weeks to change those three as the favorites? And, you know, are, is there a, a favorite? You would think coming into the year, Milan Momchilovic would be the favorite. Uh, he was a top-ranked kid, highest recruited, two-time state champion. But what De Pere has done and John Kinziger has done, maybe has closed the gap a little bit? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, I, you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head on all those comments. Um, you know, the fact that John John had uh, 19 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists against Pewaukee in a win certainly helped him tremendously in that race. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be voting on that, I think, at the end of uh, regional week. Um, so there's still some time, you know, before we make the final decision on that. Um, you know, Jeremy Lorenz is a guy that that has just done everything that has been asked of him at Brilliant and they're undefeated. And it's just a really, really good player. Um, but, you know, he's at a D3 school, um, you know, and he's not going to a high major program. He's going to Wofford. Um so, I mean, rightly or wrongly, that might that might hinder him a little bit in some people's eyes. Um, I personally feel he's a, you know, he's deserving of being in the top three, if if not the winner. Um, so then you're looking at Kinzinger and, and Milan, and um, you know, both are outstanding. Uh, both are on really really good teams that are you know uh, potentially state champions. Um, one's going to Iowa State, one's going to Illinois State. Uh, you know, I think Johnny's performance uh, last Saturday really helped him, um, you know, but we got a ways to go. And, and certainly Milan's uh, Milan's right there. Um, so we'll see, uh, you know, see, we'll see what the committee comes up with there. But I think uh, probably when it's all said and done, Travis, it'll, it'll be between it'll be one of those two, whether it's Milan or Johnny, uh, unless, you know, uh, something huge happens. Uh, you know, from, from some of the others, but I, I just don't foresee that at this point, you know, we're, we got about uh, 10 days left of the regular season and then, and then the postseason there just isn't, uh, you know, just isn't too many more opportunities for kids to, you know, put something out there that, that would put them in the mix with those two guys at the top. Before we move on, let's help, uh, let's remind you to help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, our conversation with Mark Miller continues, and we're going to turn from talking about some individual uh, items with a class of 24 and 25 players and contenders for Mr. Basketball and taking a look at what could be some interesting conference races coming down the stretch over the next 10 days or so in uh, the boys basketball season. Um, Mark, I know on Twitter, you've been putting out uh, a list of some teams that have already clinched conference championships. And uh, certainly there are a number that have done so, but there are also a number of conference races still up for grabs. I, I, you mentioned one earlier uh, with uh, a couple of top teams squaring off in the Merrowood South, but what are some of those more compelling conference races that we have left in any of those, you know, de facto conference championship games coming up over the next couple of weeks? Right. There's quite a few of them, actually, and, and makes for exciting basketball, obviously, as we head into the, into the tournament. Uh, over in the Cooley, uh, West Salem's got a one-game lead on Luther, and they play again 
Monday night and a makeup game that was uh, postponed earlier in the year. The game's at West Salem. Uh, and it's funny because they played way back on December 6th. So they haven't seen each other in a while. And that was a wild one that West Salem won uh, 97 to 88. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that's a race, obviously, that's going to come down. Uh, I would, I, you know, West Salem is not going to lose uh, to any other conference teams. They got Veroca and Arcadia. So uh, it'll be either for the outright title um, or to share the title. And in Luther's case, you know, they want to get a share of that title. Um, and then of course, Luther goes D4 and West Salem goes D, uh, D3, um, uh, for the postseason. So they won't play each other after the game on Monday night. Also over in the Cooley region in the Mississippi Valley conference, uh, it, it, you know, as, as expected and as usual, it seems to be this way, uh, almost every year on Alaska and lacrosse central are, are battling for first place. Um, right now on Alaska, has a one game lead over central uh, with two games to play in the league. Um, and, and of course they, they will play each other tomorrow at on Alaska. Um, so if central wants to get a share of that championship, uh, they're going to have to beat on Alaska uh, tomorrow. And then next week beat uh, third place Aquinas. Um, so uh, that's, that's that conference. Um, you know, uh, obviously De Pere and, and, uh, uh, Fond du Lac, a big surprise, but uh, well-deserved champion over in the Fox Valley Association. Uh, the Greater Metro is coming right down to the end here. Um, you got three teams right now with three losses, uh, Sussex Hamilton, Tosa West, and Marquette. And then you got Brook Central at four losses. Um, uh, Marquette's playing Menominee Falls tomorrow, uh, you know, and then um, uh Tosa West has got kind of a dangerous game. They're they're at home, but they play Brook East, which has been playing a little better of late. So, you know, we'll see how those two games come out. Um, and, you know, I, I just think uh, that, that that one's going to go right down to the wire. Uh, Sussex only has one game left um, in the conference, and that is at Brook Central next Thursday. So it, as far as Sussex, oh, well, actually all three of these teams – are going to control their own destiny because they don't play each other the rest of the way. Um, but Hamilton just needs to win one game, um, but it's at Brook Central, so that's really tough. Tosa West will need uh, uh, two wins uh, in the conference, and like I mentioned before, they play at home against Brook East tomorrow night. Um, actually, just, that's just the one game that they have left. But Marquette, I believe Marquette has two games left in the league. Um, so they go to Menominee Falls, um, and they got a non-conference game, uh, against, um, uh, Beloit tomorrow over at Middleton. That'll be an interesting game. Um, and then they actually have another non-conference game against Arrowhead. That will be an interesting game. And then they close the year hosting Brook East. So all three of those teams conceivably could tie for the greater Metro conference championships if they win out. Um, but they have some work to do before that. Um, it won't be easy. Uh, you know, the two Brookfield schools aren't going to win the conference this year, but they're, uh, they certainly could stand in the way of, of some other teams winning the league title. Um, and if you look at our standings page on, on WSN, um, there's, there's leagues across the state where, you know, the, there's a one or two game lead, um, or two teams are tied for first. Um, so some really big matches, you know, the Badger, the Badger West is really competitive this year. Edgewood won a big game in overtime uh, on Tuesday night um, over Oregon. Um, that was their second win over Oregon. So right now Edgewood's nine and three. 
but then you got Sauk, Prairie, and Oregon both at eight and four. And Edgewood's got a tough game tomorrow at Monroe before ending the conference season against Reedsburg. So uh, that one's still up for grabs. Uh, and, you know, like I said, if you just go to our standings page, there's many more that are still uh, the big rivers, you know, with Hudson has a one game lead with two to go over Eau Claire Memorial. Uh, the Capital North is, is um, as usual, really competitive. Lake Mills is in the driver's seat with one loss, but Columbus and Lakeside Lutheran both have two. And Columbus gets to play Lake Mills, so we could have a three-way tie potentially in that league. So, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. There's uh, some really good races that are going right down to the last week here. Um, you know, over in the Classic 8, real quick, uh, Arrowhead can clinch the conference title. They have a two-game lead right now with two to go. Um, so they, they've clinched a, a tie, but they can clinch it outright, uh, by beating Catholic Memorial tomorrow night, Catholic Memorial's in second place, uh, with 11 and three mark. So, uh, Arrowhead, uh, right now is, is 19 and two, and they play three games at home to close out the regular season. Uh, all pretty good competition. CMH tomorrow night, then Marquette on Tuesday, and then Waukesha South on Thursday. So, uh, uh, Coach Craig Hazy's squad's going to go into the postseason with, uh, you know, three pretty good tests under their belt uh, in the last 10 days of the season here. Well, as the conference races finish up over the next couple of weeks, one thing that we're going to be watching for this weekend is the release of the boys basketball seeds, matchups, tournament brackets from the WIAA. Uh, that information will be coming out Sunday afternoon. There will be a reveal show once again. Have had several people ask, and I just want to note that um, we have not been contacted by the WIAA to be involved in the uh, reveal shows. Uh, Mark is a Hall of Famer and the unquestioned expert in boys basketball. Norbert Durst is the girls basketball expert in the state of Wisconsin, but uh, our staff was not asked to be a part of those as uh, as analysts, so just want to clear that up. But Mark, we've got uh, the second year of computer seating this year, and we'll see the results on Sunday. You did a column uh, last month, I believe it was, talking about some of the minor tweaks that were made to the seating formula and what goes into it and, and how they're weighted. Um, just kind of talk through that a little bit and uh, you know what, if any, impacts it might hold this year. Yeah, I, I think it could have a, uh, some impact. Um... I, I didn't look at the girls real close last week, but I, I heard that um, there were some of the new criteria um, that that is being put in place was used, um, you know, for the girls seats last week, uh, particularly um, uh, when you have two teams that are, are on this uh, uh it's not the same seed line, but if, if they're, I think, one apart. So if you have an eight, nine or, uh, well, I guess it would be eight, and nine, um, <laughs> um, depending on on how this, uh, you know, how your sectional is seated uh, in terms of the entire sectional or um, just half of the sectional. But if the eight and nine are, are um, have played head to head, then the team that wins uh, the seed would flip. So in other words, if the nine seed beat the eight seed uh, in head to head, then the nine would become the eight and the eight would become the nine. And then the new eight would host. And I, I thought that was a good move uh, to use at least a little of the head to head um, in, in such a situation. Um, so, you know, I think that possibly uh, could come into play a little bit with the guys. Um, obviously it's not going to come into play, you know, when you, when you have teams like five, 12 or, you know, things like that. Um, 
But, um, you know, I was looking at, at, at the rankings on our WSN site uh, for this week, the coaches poll. It's kind of interesting when you look at it in Division One. Uh, all 10 teams are either in sectional two or sectional three uh, in the top 10. So the, uh, sectional one and sectional four have no top 10 teams within their sectional. And then two and three both have five each. Um, you know, that means something and it means nothing. Um, you know, I, th- it's not like there's not good teams in sectional one and four. There are, um, you know, the FEA in particular it, it has been pretty balanced this year. The exception may be a Fond du Lac, you know, who won the conference already. Um, you know, the biggest question that that I get, um, and uh, it, you know, it, it factors in when you look at the formula WI uses, and then again doesn't. Um, is a is a team that finishes, let's say, uh, twelve and twelve in the FEA? Is that the same as a team, or twelve and twelve overall from the FEA? Is that the same as a twelve and twelve? Uh, team from the Wisconsin Valley? Well, probably not. I mean, the, the strength of schedule in the FEA is much more difficult uh, than than it is uh, in the Wisconsin Valley. And of course, those teams are in the same sectional. So that leads to some uh, some questions. But, I, you know, I think overall, when you take a look at the formula, and we talked about it in the article that you mentioned, Travis, and it's, it's on the WIA website too, the, the biggest thing is you have to win games. Okay. So if you don't win games, um, you know, you really can't complain too much. And then the other thing is you, you want to play teams that have good records too. Um, and some of that you can determine by who you schedule in your non-conference games. So um, I think by and large, the, the computer formula works well. Um, you know, there were a few tweaks that were made. Um, another tweak that was made that I think really helps the small schools is that if you play a school in Wisconsin that's not a member of the WIA, that that is not counted. Um, people say, well, who's not a member of WIA? Isn't every school a member of the WIA? Well, actually, no, <laughs> there's not. There's there's uh, quite a few schools that are not. Um, and if you look at the Indian Trail standings on our webpage, um, I, I think there's maybe only one or two of those teams that are actually members of the WIA. So if you play a team like Maranatha Baptist out of Watertown, that's not going to count. Um, and I think the biggest reason for that was some of the teams that uh, maybe played those uh, in-state non-WIA members um, got the benefit of the doubt of having really good um, uh, seeds because some of those teams have really good records. And yet, you know, that the, the strength of competition is, is really kind of all over the place, mostly not very good, honestly. So um, I thought that was another good tweak that they made this year, um, the WIA and the committee that that looks at seating made. So, um, you know, there's uh, uh, there's going to be some barking like there always is when these are released, but there there was complaints, you know, when the coaches did it too. Um, so, you know, I, I always just say, hey, just, just go with it and go play the game. And at the end of the day, that's what you got to do anyway. And you know, let the chips fall where they may. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. We've, we've got a couple minutes left, but um, what are you hearing from coaches with these tweaks uh, and with knowing what we had last year? Like how much, um, you know, trepidation is there or or are they just kind of let's get at it? Um, what, what are you hearing from coach feedback on the process for this year? Obviously not knowing what will actually happen until Sunday. Yeah. Um, well, I think 
the thing I mentioned earlier with, you know, uh, one record is not the same as the other, even if they're identical <laughs> based on the schedule that you play. For example, uh, you mentioned the the drop down effect. Uh, Newman Catholic uh, uh, in Division five. Now they're going to have a few losses, obviously, because they play uh, mostly D4 schools. And then, of course, they went out and really challenged themselves. They played uh, Northland Pines and um, Columbus uh, uh, in non-conference games. They got a game against Stoughton coming up. They played Wausau West. I mean, so they played some D1, D2, D3 schools. Uh, they won some of those games and they've lost a few of those games. So, um, you know, meanwhile, uh, a team that is strictly playing D5 um, might come out with a better record and a better seed. But, you know, uh, in, in the long run, I always think, hey, just set that aside. You, you have to coach your team. You have to do what's best for your team. And, and at a place like Newman this year with the talent that they have, they decided to go out and really push themselves. And I think Columbus does the same thing in D3. Uh, they, they've played a really good non-conference schedule. Um, and a lot of teams do. Um, you know, I, I think Lake Mills, Lakeside Lutheran, I mean, you can go up and down the line. Edgewood plays a lot of bigger schools. Um, so, you know, it, it's not the same, but at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, Playing those bigger teams is going to help prepare you for the postseason and make you a better team, regardless if you might come out with a little bit lower seed. Um, so, you know, I always hear some some D1 coaches sarcastically say, well, you know, instead of playing another D1 team uh, that maybe is 500, maybe we should play a D4 or D5 team that has one or two losses and that'll help our seed. Uh, maybe. Uh, but at the same time, is that what you want for your kids? Is that what you want for your program? Um, is that going to help you improve during the course of the year? Um, you know, maybe it depends a little bit on who you play, obviously. But, um, you know, so that that's one thing, Travis. And then another, another um, thing I hear a lot is that coaches would like it, at least maybe halfway through the year, maybe have a like a, 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 a dry run um, with you know, listing, Hey, if the season ended today, here's what the seeds would look like. I, you know, I don't know if that's really needed, but coaches seem to think it is. And then a lot of them want an appeals process, but I, I think personally, I think that, um, uh, that if we're going to do that, then why even have the, you know, let's just go back to coaches seating them. <laughs> so, um, those are a few of the things, but, you know, I think generally, you know, people like to complain. Um, so when they first come out, they're going to complain. Um, and then, you know, when we get closer to the to the regional games on Tuesday and then obviously the regional semis on Friday, that stuff will dissipate. And, uh, you know, you have to go play the game and see what happens. Absolutely. Let's go play the games and see what happens. Well, Mark, appreciate you joining us on the WSN podcast. As always, uh, a lot of content coming out on WSN. So make sure folks stay tuned. Again, he's Mark Miller joining us to break down all of the boys basketball information. Mark, thanks again. OK, Travis, thank you. All right, there you go. Great conversation with Mark. And as you head to playoff games, for whatever sport it might be in the next couple of weeks, let's remind everybody to help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, it's a great time of the year as we head into the home stretch, into the playoff season for winter sports, boys and girls basketball. Not much better on the calendar and uh, as far as sporting events at the high school level than sectional basketball games, huge environments, small gyms, 
big games, big players. As much as we love the state tournaments, there's something special and unique about those sectional games that will come up here very soon as well. So I always encourage people to check those out if you are able. But that will do it for today on our WSN podcast. I am Travis Wilson. I was joined by Mark Miller. We'll see you at a game.